0: Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is the Joe Martino Show. And today we're going to talk about men's mental health. The fourth and probably final episode in this series where we have explored society's message to men, men's message to themselves, and how do they create and cultivate good mental and emotional health themselves. What's their responsibility and how do we raise boys? Today we're going to talk about how we talk to men. Let's kick it off. This is the Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right. Welcome back. I hope your day is going well wherever your day is. I hope that you are having a great day. I hope whatever time of day it is for you that it is a great day. I want to talk to you today about men's mental health. This is the fourth episode in what I think will be a four-part series on men's mental health, their journey. How do we help men have good mental and emotional health? If you haven't been listening and you want to kind of take all four in in order, head on over to joemartino.com. And you're looking for episode 254. That is our first episode. I think that dropped the middle of January, somewhere around January 17th. And as we go forward, uh, you'll find more conversations. So 254, obviously 255 then was the 24th and 256 was January 31st. Uh, We've talked about men's mental health from a broad scope, and we've talked about it from men's own responsibilities to their health. What is a man's responsibility to their own health? How do they need to advocate for themselves? How do they need to educate themselves? What uh, community do they need to create, etc? Today, what I want to talk about is what is the role that the significant adults have in their lives as adults? Last week, we talked about uh, how we how we raise kids. The fact that I think school systems are not set up for boys. And there are a lot of people that are pretty upset about that. I get that. I, I have nothing against teachers or administrators. In fact, I really like them. I, I appreciate the work that they're doing. And I think we have to constantly talk about what we're doing as to how well it is working to help our people have good mental and emotional health. Today, though, let's talk to the wives, Right. We've, we've talked about, hey, the reality is show me an episode of men or, or a TV show about men, a movie about men, where they're not like these, you know, action heroes that can jump off a skyscraper and magically measure the rope so that it stops them right before they hit the ground. Or they're just bumbling idiots that barely know how to make it through life. And I, I want I would love to see a distinction between the two. Today, I want to talk to wives, and I said this in the very first episode, I know that there are men out there that women have been exposed to who were really not good dudes. They did a lot of bad things, and I fully anticipated, and you did not let me down. I got messages and emails from women, well, you don't know my ex. You're right, I don't, and for this series, to be honest with you, I don't care. I don't care, because this isn't about we're trying to collect everything, right? I'm also not addressing the mental health impact that men have on their children in, in this series. I have done that, and we you can go through my body of work and look at that. Today, what I'm talking about is wives. Well, I'm talking about adults, but wives, when you married your husband, you became the predominant voice in his life for how he sees himself. When you married your husband, when you said, I do, I promise to love you forever, no matter what, good, bad, or indifferent, you became the dominant voice in his life for how he sees himself. The only person that outpaces me in my wife's life for how she shapes herself is her own inner voice. And we have addressed that at length in this show. And here's the thing, your words matter. Your words matter a lot. But not only do your words matter, the tone that you use matters. The voice that you use matters. The faces that you make matters. And I'm always just, I'm just always shocked that people get mad at this. I mean, this is emotional intelligence 101. What are the words that you're using? How are you using them? And how does that interact with the person that you promised to love? The person that you probably have children with? Are you constantly putting them down? Are you building them up? Is, can he do right things for you? One of the things that's most important is can he do things that win for you? And before somebody sends me the email, the tweet, the comment, whatever, I understand that there are times men need to get better at criticism. I would never deny that. And I'm telling you that one of the best things that you can do is to build your husband up with the words that you use. When he does things that are legitimately praiseworthy, you should praise him. When he does things that are legitimately, hey, I saw kindness in you. Thank you. My wife will will teach women and she'll talk to them about one of the best ways to help your husband grow into the husband that you always wanted is to praise him, is to offer him praise. And people get so mad. Am I supposed to praise him for washing the dishes? Yes. Yes, you are. You absolutely are. Well, he doesn't praise me for washing the dishes. Well, he should. Well, I don't need it. Then why'd you bring it up? That doesn't track. Okay. So you don't need it. Then why'd you bring it up? Because we all want affirmation. It's fine to want affirmation. And and the tone. How many times do you look at your husband? Do you joke that he's an idiot? How many times do you joke? Oh, my husband, he wouldn't know how to do this. He wouldn't know how to do that. Which brings me to another point. One of the things that you have to consider is there is more than one way to do what you want to get done. I do my laundry in a very specific way. I'm very, uh, what would be the word, Joey? I'm very organized in how I do laundry. We sort it into two separate There's baskets. There's the clothes that get hung. They don't go in the dryer ever. There's the clothes that go in the dryer. We sort them by weight and color. My wife believes that the washing machine was made to wash clothes, period. Dumps them all in, hits go. Now, here's the thing. I ask her not to do my laundry. I'll do it. But her way, she can do it her way. I don't need to go behind her and redo her laundry. In fact, she would rightfully be offended by that. How many women argue with their husband when he's loading the dishwasher? Oh, no, honey, you're not doing it like I showed you. You can objectively get more in if you do it my way. Okay, does he get all the dishes in? Like, is are we really going to fight this battle? And there's actually some really good videos out there about this. There's more than one way to do whatever it is you want done than your way. And it's okay if he does it differently. And your words need to reflect that. Because your word, your words are the most predominant creator of his self-image in his head besides his own. The overarching message to men everywhere else is that you're not enough, that somehow you're failing. Your voice is the dominant voice. And we can argue about that, but when you accept it, you will see growth. Which brings me to my second point. There has to be a win, right? So the win has to be, hey, I need you to do this. Okay, cool. Or I shouldn't have to tell him what needs to be done. Okay, then have that conversation. Like, hey, here's all the things that need done on a regular week. And, and I get that my wife and I like I can't tell you last time I was like, hey, I need you to do the dishes when I see them needing done. I just do them. Hey, I need you to cook supper. Now, sometimes she's like, hey, I'd rather not cook tonight. Can you cook? I like to cook. So that's helpful. But there has to be a win for your husband. And before you get all angry, there has to be a win for you. I get that. But when you say, hey, can you go do this? Yeah. And you know what? You don't have to criticize everything he does. I cannot tell you how many men I sit with who tell me I'm not going to do anything because it doesn't matter what I do. She'll find something wrong with it. And when I talk to the wives, they actually affirm that. Yep, that's true because he could do it better. And so I'll often ask them, so at work, if your boss is constantly telling you about ways that you could do it better, well, my boss doesn't have to do that. So literally every time that you do something, it couldn't be done better. Come on, that's silliness. That's, that. that's absurdity. Having a win simply means that it can be done right. That if he's, if you're like, you're not involved enough with the kids, then let him be involved with the kids. Well, then he wrestles with them. Good. Wrestling's actually good for your kids. He roughhouses with them. That's okay. Roughhousing's good with your kids. You don't believe me, look up the research. Uh, there's a professor at the University of Michigan who has copious amounts of research out on that. Go blue. He didn't wash the car the way I thought he should. Okay, then you go wash it. That's really what the laundry comes down to, Right? I don't like the way my wife does laundry for my clothes. So I go do it. And if I ask her to do it, we, we talk about it ahead of time. Now, I want to take a, a second here, maybe a minute, and, and pause and explore the difference between critique and criticism. There is a difference between critique and criticism. But even critique, if that's all you offer, there's no win. And everybody wants to feel like they're winning. People make decisions of action based on emotion. And if the emotion is, I can't win anyhow, that's a negative. You're going to end up with a negative emotion. If the thought is, I can't win anyhow, you're going to end up with a negative emotion. And so when you start to run this out, one of the things that you have to consider is, is there a win? And I see this time and time again. We treat men like buffoons, and they can't win at anything. In fact, even we've put up some shorts. We've done some test runs of some of this material. And the comments, the negative comments aren't actually with what I'm saying. There is disagreement with what I'm saying. But there's not, there's not disagreement about its effects. It's just like, oh, here we go. Another white patriarchy middle-aged male complaining. Oh, this feels like false information. Oh, your life's so hard. Like, what happened to just freaking be kind and make space for another person's emotions? Why do we call for equality for everyone but men? I want to know because I'm tired of watching men contemplate suicide and nobody wants to talk about it. We just want to talk about how men are screwed up and there's something wrong with them. Toxic masculinity. Okay, well, what's healthy masculinity then? I'd love to have that conversation. I'm okay if you say there's toxic masculinity. I don't agree with you, but I'm okay. Well, I agree with you. That's not true. I do agree there's such a thing as men who engage in toxic behaviors, but we probably don't agree on, on all of that. And I'm okay with that. But criticism is just, I don't like what you're saying, and so it's wrong. Okay, cool. I guess. I don't like what you're saying, so you're wrong. That isn't how that works. Really? Because, like, why wouldn't it work that way? Which brings me to the third point today. You have to be a safe person for your husband. Years ago, I I was listening to a husband and wife team talk, I think on Mother's Day, uh, about moms. And the wife said that one of the things that she had to grow into was being a safe person for her husband. And she works in a non-official capacity with women. Um, And she said, you know, I'm always amazed. She said something to the effect. uh, This is not a word for word quote. I'm always amazed that women who ask a question of their husband and then are not a safe person for him to give her an honest answer. And then she gets mad at him not giving her an honest answer. And I can already read the comments. I already know the emails are coming. Oh, what? So it's her fault he lied? No, no, it isn't. It's his fault. It's his responsibility. The truth is I don't think in terms of fault a whole lot. I t- typically t- think in terms of responsibility. And it's his responsibility to tell the truth. And it's her responsibility to be safe when he tells her the truth. It's her responsibility to be a safe person when he tells her the truth. And so what that means is, is she gets to have emotion, Right. If if you've listened to this for any amount of time, if you listen to my episode, my shows for any amount of time, you know that I am not against emotion. Feel all the feelings, but bring harm to no one, including your husband. Bring harm to no one, including your husband. That is so important. If you're not a safe space for him to listen to or for him to talk to you about, if you're not a safe space for him to be able to bring you information that you might not like, your relationship will suffer. In fact, Yes, he needs to be a safe space for you. But part of being a safe space is do you use your words to hurt him? We're all the way back to point one. What do you do with your voice? Part of being a safe space is do you use the truths that he shares with you as weapons? I cannot tell you how many times I sit in a room and I watch a guy just shut down and totally disengage in therapy because the wife is just using her words as weapons and it goes poorly. It goes probably because we have confused meanness and anger with rightness and empowerment. And that is not the same thing. You cannot say you're right because you're angry. You cannot say that because you had the highest intensity of emotions that your point was right. Your point is right or wrong based on what it is. But intimacy is built off of safety. This is why if you read my book, The Emotion Secure Couple, I talk about the fact that everybody's asking the question, am I safe? But that's the third question that everybody's asking. The first one is, am I heard? And then the second one is, am I I valued? And then the third one is, I'm safe. Because they cascade. If you're not heard, you won't be valued. And if you don't feel heard and valued, you won't feel safe. And if you don't feel heard, valued, and safe, your relationship is in trouble. And in a society that does not seem to value relationships very much anymore, I wonder if it's because we're not willing to do the hard work of being safe people for people to talk to. I wonder if we're not willing to do the work of being safe for our spouses, for our husbands, because that means we'd have to be vulnerable. And we've, we have essentially said that vulnerability is the antithesis to safety. Well, yeah, Joe, that makes sense. Right, it does. And what we've done is we've gone one step further. We've said that vulnerability is the antithesis to empowerment. And that isn't right. That's inaccurate. You can, be in, you can be empowered and still be vulnerable. You have to be a safe space for your husband to tell you how he's feeling. Because most of the time what I hear from men is, is their feelings are dismissed. When they say they've had a hard day, their wife says, oh, well, you don't think I had a hard day? When they say, man, I, I'm discouraged. Oh, why are you discouraged? What do you do around here? Their feelings are dismissed. And then they get made fun of for not expressing their emotions. I get it. Like, to me, that's really simple. If I want my wife to express her emotions to me, I can't dismiss them. It doesn't mean I have to agree with everything. It doesn't mean I even have to agree with how she got there. But I cannot dismiss them. I can't mock them. And if I do dismiss them and mock them, that is not me being empowered. That's me being mean. And if I'm being mean, I'm not building the relationship. Fourth, you have to make space for him to have some of his own time. And I get it. This one is often contentious. He gets his own time. He gets to go hunting. He goes fishing. He goes to baseball games. But does he? Does he get his because there are guys that don't and I'm not saying it needs to be right. There's always a balance. There's always tension here. I just sat with a guy this week who he's like, you know, I go to work. I come home. I spend he's got four girls. I spend time with my girls. I go to bed. I go to work the next day and I'm struggling to find time for my family and for me. And there are seasons to life where we get less personal time. But everyone needs some time for themselves. If they're going to have good mental and emotional health, they need some time for themselves. And going along with this. I have a favor to ask of the general public, but especially of women. Stop reading and playing that you're a therapist. Keep reading. So maybe that's the the request is stop pretending you're a therapist. Well, I read on Psychology Today. Well, I read on the internet. Well, I read a book. Awesome. Like really and truly. I like Psychology Today. I read it. PsychCentral.com is another one you could read. I love research. I love to read it. But that doesn't make you a therapist, and it certainly does not give you license to slap some diagnostic label on your husband, you don't know what you're talking about, period. Well, I read a lot. I do not care. And neither does your husband. It just shuts him down. I promise you, it just shuts him down. Well, there is trauma in his childhood. I was reading and I know. Okay. Okay. Fine. That's fine. But here's my question. Does saying it help you? Because what you're doing is in one fell swoop, you're taking away his space to process through things and you're not safe anymore because no one wants to feel like they're a science project. And that's what a lot of men tell me they feel like. They feel like a science project. And so when you start to lean it, now here's the thing, if you do the reading and you think something's up, have a conversation maybe, but benefit, weigh out the benefit. What's the benefit to what I'm doing? What's the risk, right? Because you're not a therapist and it's fine. It'd be like me telling you what it means to be a mom. You'd be pretty mad and I get it. I get it. We, we, we have made psycho- psychology and psychological terms ubiquitous in our society. And so be it. But, man, there has to be some space where people realize that they are not therapists. So stop labeling your husband, please. I'm begging you. Consider the words that you use, the tone that you use. How do you talk to and about your husband? There has to be a win for your husband. He can interact with your kids differently than you do, and it's okay. You have to be a safe person for him to talk to. He has to have space for himself. And this last one almost always gets me in trouble. There has to be regular physical affirmation of your husband. I was just talking to a therapist yesterday, and she said to me, it's weird to me how women aren't typically bothered if if there's a long time between physical interaction. But it really gets up in men's heads like like the disparity of response was very high. And she noticed that. And she was like, it's just kind of strange to me how how big that gap is. If you're going to help your husband to have good mental and emotional health, you're going to have to have regular physical affirmations with him. Oh, so I have to have sex with him so he has good mental health. Not quite, but close. But I'm not even talking about sex like like hug him. Run your hand on his shoulders. In all that reading that you're doing where you're looking for a diagnosis for him, go read about the benefits of regular physical touch. John Gottman says you need five touches a day, right? I forget the exact number that he says you need to have of sexually uh, directed touches. In other words, touches that are sexual in nature but not actually lead to coitus. What a fun word! And he says he he can watch people interact and tell them how healthy they are based on their touches. And man, people have lost their mind on that poor guy, but they've never been able to disprove his research. They've gone after it a couple of times, and they've drawn conclusions that well, there's something wrong with the research. We just can't prove it. Okay, regular physical affirmation helps our mental and emotional health because here's the thing: if I go hug, as soon as I'm done recording this, I'm going to go find my wife and hug her, and I'm going to get happy chemicals from my brain into my body, which helps me in my mental and emotional journey. And here's the thing. If you're married, if you're if you're living with someone that you call your partner, here's what I'm asking. Be a partner, be a partner, engage in the process of trying to achieve the goal of health for the system, i.e. the relationship by being a partner because partners look out for each other. So look out for your husband. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.